Hello everyone and welcome all of you to Nikki Lyle Creative Presents with Industry Leaders where this morning I'm joined by Rebecca Watson who's a creative director at Squint Opera. Um, so welcome, I know you as Bex, so I'm going to say Bex, so it's okay. Welcome Bex. I think Rebecca sounds awfully formal. <laughs> Bex is good. So, what we're going to do is uh, Bex has got a presentation for us all about Squint Opera that she's going to talk through. Um, also, we're going to allow 10-15 minutes for a Q&A at the end. So if you've got any questions, just pop those in and we'll get to those. Um, feel free as well to tweet about the event or share anything on Instagram so we can spread the word about it. Um, but yeah, over to you, Bex. Wonderful. Hi, everybody. So um, people have asked me, you know, how, how does Squint kind of describe itself? And, you know, I feel like it's quite a loaded question because we, we do do quite a lot. But I think we would like to sum it down in the fact that I think Squint is, is kind of digitally transforming the way that we communicate. And we work across so, so many different industries, be that architecture, be that kind of brand, and be that immersive or cultural. But really it's about connecting people and making spaces better um, and communicating those spaces. So to kind of break it down into all, all of those industries, we work across strategy. So that is a kind of, uh, integrated approach across all digital services for, for a brand or a, a, a place uh, and then we do branding which uh, could apply technology or could apply identity that would then bring you know that particular or communicate that particular idea uh, we work across experience where we blend technology with actual physical space to create very kind of unique and immersive moments we create content, so whether that be stories, whether that be visions, whether that be imagery or animation or VR, we bring all of that to life. And then digital. So this is our aim is to really kind of push digital and find out how that fits into all of our lives and you know can relate to unmet demands that we don't even know yet. <laughs> so it was founded, Squint Opera was founded in 2001 by our directors, four of them, uh, who might be watching today, so hello. <laughs> so we're, we're nearly coming up to 20 years, which is amazing. And we are based across the globe. So we've got our New York office, London and Dubai. You know, unfortunately with what is going on, we all are actually working uh, from home at the moment, but you know, it's working, it's working quite well. I quite love it, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So when we have a look at the breakdown of the kind of breakdown of Squint Opera, I feel like we're really, really unique because we have our team of in-house creatives, directors, uh, you know, product designers, everyone that kind of sits, that, that gets Squint, that knows the team, that knows the clients. But then we have this kind of uh, Swiss knife approach whereby we have uh, a, quite a large pool of freelance creatives so if a company or we're doing a project uh, that involves something quite niche we're just able to kind of whip out the best tool basically uh, to to make that amazing so yeah as I, as I say we are we've got a house full of compositors engineers thinkers doers directors illustrators and all of that kind of really chimes into squint unique 
style and being able to go across so many multi kind of disciplines of industry. So when we're looking at the kind of formula of let's of, of how Sprint Opera operate, um, because again we do we do quite a vast kind of thing we don't kind of too much want to understand what it does but kind of more the why so why is why are we communicating this piece of content this piece of immersion why are we doing it we're we doing it for the target audience we're we doing it to grow audiences are we doing it for a cultural purpose so we really try and delve in and look at the firstly the foundation of, of kind of what that company is have a look at the competition or the target audience that we're trying to to kind of put in place uh, because all of this we feel like makes a very very successful piece of content and that's really what we try and aim to do so we have this kind of building block structure that we like to put together when targeting any any new any new creatives Amazing. Thank you so much for talking through the work there, Bex. Uh, you know, I, I just kept thinking about the old days of when I very first met with Squint Opera. Must have been about six years ago when you were more West London with the Doodle Bar. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. remember thinking, oh my God, this, this agency are awesome. There's not many out there that have their own kind of attached bar to it. And it just also gave um, an indication of the creativity because I know one of the partners decided that um, they wanted to go off and create the um, Aikido channel and rather than going off the separate ways they thought well why not bring it under the Squint Opera umbrella and we'll develop that here actually and that's kind of that fluid approach to creativity um, seems to make Squint Opera quite special from what I've experienced as an outsider. Yeah, no, it is really special. I mean, it's a really, really special place. So I, I joined oh, Verging on, yeah, six, six, nearly seven years ago. And I joined through Okido. That was how I got into, into the Squint Opera family, let's say. But yeah, it was based in Battersea. Um, you know, it was a very, very small team. Uh, one of the director, Ollie, Ollie's dad was working upstairs uh, for All Sorts Architecture. And yeah it was just this melting pot of wonderfulness because you know we we have this space downstairs called test bed that was linked to doodle bar so it was just this wonderful space that you could go and create you, you know if you were having a total mental block you could just go downstairs maybe to the bar but also uh, to the beach where you could you know it was a really calming place and then uh, you had some cultural designers over the way uh, architects upstairs and also a gin distillery and then okido came so it was just this melting pot of creativity which was fantastic um but unfortunately uh that the place uh, was sold so we had to move okay. and now we're based in hackney great for me because it's just around the corner um, but now yeah based in Hackney it, much much the same in a, in a really really large warehouse on Vine Street whereby there's interior architects in there um, as well as us and that street is just full with tech companies branding agencies everything so it's, it, yeah I mean I feel like we've upgraded a little bit but obviously Battersea will have a very strong place in my heart <laughs> yeah it's a great location you're in now you're near like Sam Labs aren't you and all those cool little yeah, startups. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to find out a bit more about you Bex actually as a creative so how did you start out your career so I grew up in uh, Wolverhampton 
um, which is, ne well, in the middle of Wolverhampton in Shropshire. So, and I went to a school where the only thing that you could do was fine art. And that's the only way I thought, right, okay, this is my time now, you know, I, I, none of this science or whatever. I was like, yes, it's my time. So when it got to uh, me being 18, I was like, right, I'm not going anywhere apart from London. That's how I, I have to do it. I have to be there and I just put my head forward so uh, I applied to London College of Fashion um, so I got in which was a shock to me but that's what happened so because I, I'm uh, born in June I, was, I, I moved very 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 soon so I literally just turned 18 when I moved to London and did my diploma in fashion so I, you know, at one point I was loving it, but then also I was like, oh, do you know what? Not sure fashion is right for me. And testament to the wonderful tutors that are at UAL, um, Justine said to me, Bex, do you know what? The art direction and the creative conception is what you excel at. Fashion, not so much. So I was like, hmm, okay, maybe I'm on something. So after my diploma there, I, um, I really wanted to get into looking at space and um, um, and architecture because I thought you know everything that I was doing especially with my final year show it all culminated in having that particular space it wasn't so much about fashion so I went down that line and studied uh, applied art and architecture specializing in uh, interior glass <laughs> so I did that uh, got another diploma there and then putting kind of fashion and architecture together I was like right what exactly what's the other little ingredient that I need to do what I want to do and it was going to LCC and doing design for visual communication so that triangle of, of things uh, culminated to where I am now so that's really that's how I got into it and then um, Rachel Ortas who is a fantastic illustrator um, and in the, in illustrates um, Okido magazine. She was one of my tutors at LCC. So in my third year, uh, she came, she was my tutor. We got on absolutely famously, wonderful woman. And she said, oh, Becky, you know, why don't you come and work for Okido? And I was like, oh, does this mean I've got my first job offer? Um, so that's exactly what I did. Um, so I worked for Okido in their studio slash house in Sydney for about two and a half years and worked with Thames and Hudson on bringing together a, a set of books a set of hardback books uh, exploring arts and science uh, with Okido, which was absolutely fantastic. So then, this is maybe answering a different question, but this is how Nikki and I met. So uh, at that point where the book, where the books had been sold, they were distributed, it was amazing. Um, that is when Squint Opera and Okido actually aligned. And at that point, that was when the first talks were being done with BBC, CBBS, uh, to go into the Messy Goes to Okido series. So at that point, um, you know, I, that's when I moved to Bespoke because I found, you know, there wasn't a kind of job at that time for me. So I thought, right, okay, got to get a job. What else can I do? I can communicate. I can talk, as you can probably see, a lot. So that is why I moved to more of the production um, and operation side behind creative. So that is, is, is doing, uh, doing recruitment. 
creative recruitment. So I stayed there for a, what about eight months or nearly a year, somewhere around there. But in there, what I'd done is kind of set up all of their Instagram. I was I was making so many great connections and really understanding the production process instead of being on the kind of creative side, it was more on the production side. So I understood, right, okay, what is the value of having a junior on a team? What do you need? What, what team can you put together to create the stature of this project, this project, this project? Whereas, you know, if it's immersive, if it's branding, um, if it's a film, like who exactly do you need? Because, I, you know, working at Okido was was predominantly print. So I didn't, I, did, I couldn't wrap my brain around what, you know what a DOP was or why you needed a compositor here and, and that. Um, so after so at Bespoke uh, Squint and uh, BBC and Okido contacted me to come back and, and art direct Messi goes to Okido so it was it was a really good transition actually because the fact that I had been recruiting in, in creative recruitment made me understand a lot more okay I know where I need to fit into this and also I know on a film level um you know what makes a show basically but I didn't realize actually I was I was quite naive I probably went in thinking oh yes I know and then got there and you know there was this there was a small team to start with and then uh, we were working on 120 I believe mixed of animators art directors the director was Liz Whitaker um 3D designers so that's really how I into the into the sprint sprint family awesome and yeah those were like super fun days when we worked together at bespoke hey like i can't yes. believe how long ago it was <laughs> now, but um what advice that's really interesting the fact that you figured out where you'd fit in an agency you understood the sector a bit more and what advice would you give to creatives from yourself being on the recruitment side actually when they're applying for jobs and looking for work etc well, I'll tell you what, that's a really difficult question. And I'll tell you why, because in this kind of climate, especially, um, I don't think that junior, middleweight and senior, this is just, you know, my little prediction. I don't think that makes a difference anymore. And I'll tell you why, because the people that I see on a daily basis or that I used to see in recruitment, you know, seven years ago, you know, it's, it's changed. Whenever that portfolio comes to that person, it's about communicating a particular voice. It doesn't matter if you haven't worked on huge projects or it does matter if you have worked on huge projects, just as long as you can get the fact that you, your voice was in that project somewhere. That's what I believe really, really stands out. Mm -hmm. and also it doesn't I, you know I'm not really too fussed if you you know it's a website or if it's a pdf portfolio if it's a keynote as long as the quality is readable and understandable and the you as a designer as a person is communicated within that project that you're showing because I think that's really the strongest thing that you can ever put forward because nobody I've learned this in being you know being creative no one is you you know you can kind of copy a style here and there should you need to um because it works but actually nobody is you so if you go in leading with you yeah okay some people you know you might not get that job but there'll be one company that goes oh this one this is this is the one yeah. so yeah I think yeah I think getting your your voice across and having a very high quality of communicative skills within that portfolio is what's going to 
really kind of push you forward further than anybody else. Yeah, I'm, I'm so pleased you said that because so many creators get hung up on things like, should it be a PDF? Should it be a website? How many pages? Like how many pages is the sort of thing people ask? It's like, it's not about that. It's about the narrative. Like you say, Bex, it's about you and communicating what you've done is really important. Being quite transparent about what you've done on projects because also you, your portfolio might go in front of a creative director where you were a junior, but you're making out you oversaw that whole project. It's like, show what you did Exactly. with each project as well so that's exactly it really doesn't matter if you only did an itsy tiny little piece on it as long as you've got that piece in and you're showing me that piece I'm like mm, okay well if you can do that I'm sure that you can do more and that is I feel like that's how a creative director thinks or or a director or a hiring manager or, or mm. I'd hope they would that's how I think <laughs> You know, if I, if I see if I see a little bit of something something that's you know that I, that's sparking a little bit of interest in that particular person, what they can bring to the table or what they've brought to that project, then I know that I can apply that if I've got a, you know a project that I want them to work on or something else and something else. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm, I've mentored a, you know a couple of uh, just out of uni or getting into uni as well uh, people now and I say exactly the same you know a creative director fine it's the same as um, getting into uni it's the same as a tutor what they're mm -hmm. going to want to see is you and what you bring specifically so you need to show that yeah 100% yeah. and uh, what advice would you give to juniors now that like entering the industry it's tough uh, no it's tough it's tough because you know I, I tell you I don't believe in the word junior anymore like yeah of course irrespective of, of experience I kind of I get that but I'd really like to actually turn this whole junior middleweight senior on its head to be honest because I don't think it applies I have met some fantastic what you would call junior or or kind of one or two years experience be them a DOP um be them a graphic designer where I'm like oh oh that's wonderful you know and and it, it's about the idea that they put forward or they've just come out of uni but their final project they were like oh I wasn't sure if I should show this I'm like yeah you should because that idea I would like to take that and tweak that and you can put that into that type of thing um so I want to turn all of that on their head so if you don't have experience within getting into the creative industry my advice would be have that portfolio have that website um have what I said before have you have have you kind of sensed that the whole thing of it and I know it's old school but send emails but then also send instagrams yeah I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan because um, a lot of people send, you know, send work to Squint Opera through Instagram, which I kind of have a look at on the regular. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, come in because Instagram is even a portfolio. So I'm, you know, I'm not deterred about that. So if you're if you're less experienced in the industry, whatever platform or whatever thing is necessary to you, or that's how you like to do it, put it in front of people because that's the that's we've only got eyes we've got to see but if we can't find you then we don't know because yeah. I, I you know i think stuff like the dots and and um and and creative people and all that you know it's, it's great 
um, but also you can help that. Just just start sending, just start sending little DMs and Instagrams on a Saturday morning or something when people are, are really receptive to having a look at something new or exciting or, you know, and I, yeah, I think, I think that's the best way to go. So I would definitely turn junior senior on its head and say experience as opposed to giving them those titles. Yeah, I do agree with you, Bex, that you come across some juniors and they've just been crafting and grafting the entire time during their studies. And by the time you meet them, you're like, oh, my God, you're, you're incredible. And also the point that you said about people reaching out. I um, interviewed Mark from Rosie Lee the other day about um, how people should approach him. He said, I know now it's difficult because we're in lockdown, but knock on the studio door, say hello, reach out. Also. Um, Becky the other day from Vayner Media said get in touch over Twitter it's almost like industry leaders are receptive to people reaching out and saying hey but the main thing is when you do reach out make sure you're prepared okay it's like what you're showing is worth their attention so that's the number one thing if you are going to do that don't say hey Bex can I have your attention can I have a job but not have a real follow-up good bit of work that you're yeah. excited about basically exactly that's why i think yeah twitter and instagram i think they're really really good platforms because you're instantly accessing media mm. you're instantly there that's your portfolio boom you that's it that's exactly what you're going to say um and i i really love that i like to be able to see things quickly and easily and get excited by them and then be able to then show the team be like look at this this is a good one now now you know we've got the contact details we've got everything you know that that makes it easy to to kind of get in touch so yeah, yeah use the socials would you, we ever think we'd be saying that because i remember setting up the the bespoke instagram when instagram wasn't really like even a thing and i cannot believe what it's turned into today it's you know it's basically your portfolio mm. And also, I give, the, I give the advice of having two sometimes, because what I've come across <clears throat> quite a lot is if people are, you know, want to do a personal Instagram and have a work Instagram, I think that's great. I know you're kind of separating your followers, but it's not really about that. You know, if you've got a work Instagram that just has your work, it's also a really good way of, 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 of giving you, setting yourself little challenges to create per day or per week. So, and that's something then that you can send out and you've got your personal Instagram to do your selfies and all of that. <laughs> yeah, good, good advice. So, um, who do you go to for inspiration? Oh, what a, what a question. Okay, so individually, inspiration is the people that I've, I've worked with across the years. You know, I, I could for instance one of my friends ollie hamilton he is a storyboard artist uh, working for cartoon network and blink and stuff and honestly when i see him storyboard i'm literally just like uh you know so individually there's loads of people that i would just kind of bank and you know and have chats with and um, because that brings out a creative flair in me um 
so everybody that I've worked with really you know and also the ECDs at Squint they've got years and years and years of inspiration of inspiration and intelligence that aren't coming from where I'm coming from sometimes it's from architecture sometimes it's from 3D so talking to them as well is just it's really good and that's where that multidisciplinary stuff comes in that gives you the inspiration um, but then on an agency level um, some people I really look to and have for ages is Buck TV uh, they're based in LA they're, they're predominantly animation but you know just their work is just super super slick and also it's going back to that voice every single piece of work that they do you can feel that they have a voice in it and that Buck have kind of designed it and and, and they're they're within it they're within its kind of creative walls and I think that's something that I really um that I really aspire to it's yeah and really it gives me loads of inspiration to kind of do that with the projects that I'm in as well and and also get the team hyped so that they can put the best in to to that project as well so that hopefully people look to us then for inspiration do you know what I mean it's that circle definitely um have you ever made any big industry mistakes <laughs> and can you share an example <laughs> I've totally put you on the spot <laughs> I'll be frank, I make mistakes all the time. Every single day I, I make mistakes. I'll let you in to a secret. I cannot spell. Spelling is an awful, awful thing for me. So I make mistakes every day. Be it that an email uh, where a letter has slipped and turned into a different word to a client, you know. Um, but I oh, one okay, one of when I when I was younger, so before university, this was one of my biggest mistakes, and it was to do with spelling. I I worked in signage and graphics. So it was when like Photoshop three or four was there and I was loving it. And uh, so I was only young, but you know, and we got, uh, the boss said to me, right Becky, this is your big time now. You're going to make a sign uh, and it's going to say something like Cherry's Cafe or something. And I was like, yeah, I can do it. So I looked for my typography. I was there, I was winning. And uh, it was quite a large sign. And, and, you know, those large format printers, if you're printing on vinyl, it's quite expensive. So I only realised when I pressed print and everything that number one, I had made it half the size. And number two, it said Cheery's Cafe, not Cherries. Oh. So... <laughs> And nobody checked it because it was my kind of first big job. Uh, so it got to site and yeah, we had a very angry phone call at the end of it. It wasn't great. But, uh, but what I just try and do with, the, with, with this now is, you know, any time you do make mistakes or I make mistakes or the team makes mistakes, you just have to just cover it. You just have to work through it. There's no point. Because, uh, I mean, it's, we're human. It's human error to err is, is what I tell myself. <laughs> So you just, yeah, I think uh, when, whenever mistakes are made, there's always a way that you can come back from it. Yeah, that, that's always the one, because this is like, that's one of my favourite questions, but it's more how you overcome the error is like the number one thing. Never get flustered. If it's an email, just send an email. If it's a big thing in a job or, uh, well, because uh, sometimes we work with uh, 3D people. I've had a bit of a faux pas with those as well. I don't know. I, I think you've really just got to, any mistake, you've got to tackle it head on and say, okay, this has happened. We have to find a way to rectify it. And that's that. 
no point in stressing, no point in upsetting. You just move forward because today is different to tomorrow and tomorrow is different to the next day. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. And um, have you ever had any like hurdles in your career that you've had to overcome? And how have you? So, uh, talking about this voice, this voice, this voice. So I think, I, you know, and I think I'm speaking for a lot of people here, sometimes being a woman and trying to get, really trying to get high up in, in and work your way up in a, in a creative agency or even, you know, breakthrough on social media or, you know, whatever. It's very, it is difficult to be able to get your voice out there. And I think that's one of the hurdles that I've come up against because sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. So I'm like, oh, should I, you know, and, and, and how do I put myself across in meetings? You know, how, and also how do I articulate myself and articulate the vision that I've got in my head? So what, so to distill it, when I was younger, um, like, you know, two or three years in or something, uh, yeah, I found it really, really difficult to kind of make my voice heard and say, that, you know, I, I feel like I can do this or, you know, I feel, I feel like I can, please listen type thing. And then later on in my career, I, yeah, I think it's more about, okay, I proved that I know how to do it, but also articulating your voice and your vision within, you know, a meeting, let's say of 20, 25, and sometimes they're all men, uh, you know, it's, some, you know, sometimes it's very, very difficult. And I think that hurdle will always, always be there because, you know, that the voice that you've got is unique to a different person. So like I said before, so getting it out there, that can be one of your hurdles. I know it was mine, but the way to overcome those hurdles is try, try, try again. And also breathing. That's what I've learned when, uh, when articulating something, very precise or or that's you know kind of in your head like say it's a a pitch or something kind of taking a deep breath understanding and using language that you think that that target audience or whoever you're talking to is going to understand that's the language that you need to use sit back pause breathe and and communicate instead of just fluster flustering and trying to get it out which was definitely one of my hurdles hugely yeah I do a lot of like uh, mentoring for women in the creative industry as well. And that's one of the things they can overcome is sometimes being heard in a room where you are surrounded by men actually, and, and being, you know, listened to and, and understood and, and how, yeah, that seems to come up a lot. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah of course, okay. you know, it, it does. It totally does. It, it all, it, you know so it used to plague me because I used to get very um you know anxious about it but I to overcome that it's you know you've really that voice is so 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 unique and you've got to really try and put that out and I believe using the language that you that people are going to understand and and also taking a deep breath not getting yourself flustered uh, listening to other people be that men be that women be that anybody listening to other people speak in the field that you are speaking in I think is always very good as well mm. uh, take on different techniques from different people that you see because because so, everybody has a different way you know as you see I talk with my hands quite a lot and I've been told that can be off-putting sometimes and other people have said no that's great um 
you know, so listen, listen out and see what other people do. Take on those techniques and see if that works for you. But definitely get that voice out there. Yeah. 100%. And so how did you work your way up to a creative director at Squint? So I started as art director at Okido and the production went on for two years, around, around two years. Um, and then there became a point where it was okay, Okido, you know, it's done, we're just doing little final things. And the guys, I've been working with the guys over at Squint Opera on kind of different little projects here and there, because it was a mixed team, but some of the team was fully dedicated to Okido and some of the teams fully, fully dedicated to Squint. So at that point I was in the middle, I was doing a bit of um, dollying. So when Okido finally came to an end, the Squint team then said, actually, I think we might have some little bits for you. So I was like, okay, that sounds good. And then those little bits grew into projects where I was art directing. So I was owning the look and feel. And, and, and that, that was my main kind of priority in looking at the quality, looking at what artists we could get to achieve this particular look and feel for this particular narrative. So I did that for quite a while. And that also extended into doing live action shoots. So that would be having a look at production design. Um, so, you know, at Squint, we do a lot of uh, live action mixed with 3D. So to, get, to give a, a, a thing, it would be going on to a live action set or a live action location, understanding that, working out how we could modify that in 3D should we need to for that particular communication or creative and bridging the gap between it. So the look and feel was all succinct. So that was absolutely great. Uh, worked with all the team. Fantastic. But then what I started doing um, was having a look at pictures and uh, Ollie and Nick, who were the ECDs at Squint that I work with on a daily basis, you know, they were kind of like, oh yeah, off you go, do it, have a go at this pitch type of thing. And at that point I had the, the ideas in my head that I knew, hold on, I can make a narrative. You know, I don't just need to do the computer, I can make a narrative. But again, I, you know, one of the hurdles, I was very anxious because I was thinking, oh gosh, you know, how am I, I, I don't know how to put this on paper. So it took about a year of transition and uh, again, studying, looking at other kind of creative directors, understanding how one would pitch, how, how I can get what's up here onto the computer, onto paper um, and using those tools. And then I'm just kind of slid into creative director whereby creative director at Squint uh, means that if, uh, you know, a project comes in or, or, we reach out to somebody or something uh, it's coming up with the narrative and the particular ideas of communication that will sculpt the whole film so it's not just a look and feel it's not just where it is it's not just the team it's it's that kind of holistic hold so you hold the project in your hand basically which um which you know is great so it was it was a very holistic way that I did it because I know a lot of people either really stick to art direction or really stick to creative direction. But in terms of um, growing growing up at Squint, let's say um, it it just seemed like a, a very kind of holistic process to to go through, which you know was was great because now I do sit back and 
with the experience that I've gained, I do think, right, okay, what's the narrative here? And I kind of know how long it should be, what the part should be, kind of the client, the understanding the client, because, uh, you know, that's another kind of big thing as a creative director. As an art director, you, you know, I come in and, you know, describe the look and feel, which, you know, which was great, but you start one step back as a creative director and, you know, go in and, and, uh, and kind of, really sculpt the narrative with them and sometimes that can that can be hard or it can be great but i i really really enjoy doing it yeah okay awesome um so i'm just gonna ask you a few questions about the pandemics going on at the moment and uh <laughs> how it over at, at squint have you really been affected over there have you when uh the pandemic hit we uh all the studio closed and we've all been working from home um doing zooms doing google hangouts um and the the it guys at squint are fantastic we've all got our own particular setups that are uh, very particular into what we do so all the 3d artists 2d artists have everything kind of set up at home personally it's going i you know and also company-wide i think it's going really really well um everybody is talking uh, every day which is good meetings are happening which is really great uh there's been you know no major meltdowns we're just you know we're ticking we're ticking forward and, and through really mm. and I you know I think uh with Squint because we do work very 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 closely together and we've got quite a large production uh but it's kind of scaled so we know okay if we're working from home we know what we need to hit and we know how to kind of get a project out and I think it's good as well because we work with the New York guys and obviously there's a time difference and we're doing zoom and, and stuff so I think we're quite we're, we're very versed in that um, in terms of projects, um, it, you know, I think we've fallen very, very lucky uh, because our clients trust us to to move forward and create a project, uh, a, a product of quality while in quarantine, which I believe that we're doing. Um, and also the project types that we're on. Sometimes some of our projects have a, quite a long lead time. Um, so actually we can kind of just dip under the wave for covid and then <laughs> hopefully uh come come out the other end so you know there's still lots of activity which is which is great and we've you know we've, we've maintained a, a full team which is wonderful so yeah i think we're just very very thankful at squint that that you know we, we can all work very well together and that and that everything is ticking over okay <laughs> Yeah, that, that's amazing. I love hearing like good news because it's not all doom and gloom for every single company out there. There are some that are managing to to weather the storm and, and still keep going with projects, etc., with clients. Um, so no, that's really good to hear. Yeah. Um, what do, do you predict the world's going to look like after we come out of lockdown? I don't like to call it the new normal, but like... I think that actually this new normal I think there kind of has to be because the the at the heart of any kind of creative company is that voice that I keep talking about whether it's just whether it's the company's voice or whether it's the individual who, who, who are making the content's voice and those voices are going to have changed over this over this particular pandemic and also you know the thing that's going on at the moment this this kind of awful thing that the racism thing 
um, so I think what is going to happen is people, uh, which I think is great, is people, because they've worked at home, are going to reflect upon, you know, home life, whatever that is for them, friendships, uh, working, uh, you know, flexible working, the fact that, you know, there is a different way to do things. And with difference comes a kind of different outcome in a way because I do think sometimes and I think probably that's where we were we get a little bit locked in to kind of okay we're going to the studio this is what we need to do every day but this kind of hiatus and also with the world changes happening there's going to be a lot of voices that come out of that and I think that is going to to really change and construct the way that the creative industry works whether that is flexible working which I you know I think it probably will be um you know whether that's how you connect with friendship groups or family you know all of these things are based down to communication and i i think there's going to be quite a big change actually in in the way that um designers respond to that and creatives respond to that and i you know i can kind of see it happening already on instagram there's a way that people kind of speak to each other even on pinterest there's a what there's a kind of new wave of design that i feel is coming forward and it's more communicative it's more participatory um so i yeah i think i think there's going to be some some voices that come out come out of this and i think it will be for the good to be honest i think you know the industry need maybe it needed a bit of a shake-up maybe we needed 2020 to to kind of flip it on its head because that that is the kind of crux of design isn't it it's it's bringing out what you wouldn't have have, have known already yeah no i definitely agree with you there bex so um wow we've been talking a lot but it's just been so great but i'm glad <laughs> that we got an alpha the q a section so uh, i've never gone over quite like this before so i know you're busy i won't keep you too long but anyone that wants to ask questions guys if you could just please put it in the q a tab um and then we'll get to them so okay first one so um so feeling really inspired by what you said today. Thank you so much. I've been in my job for a couple of years, but also feel I need a change. I'm working on putting my portfolio together in a way which will make it stand out. Um, so what So, what skills stand out and in terms of portfolio is something simple better? Okay, well, firstly, I'd probably ask, you know, what sector? do you want to go in because design we've been talking about design we've been talking about creative as a very kind of wide genre let's say but i believe in in your head if you've seen something if you've seen that particular job or if you've seen that particular agency that you want to go for have a look at their work have a look at the people that work with them have a look at what is going on on their websites then have a look at your own, own voice, your own work, and just sculpt it in a way that they can understand. So it's, that, it's about that language, isn't it? So when you're going into somewhere, if you're talking a kind of totally different language, then it's a bit like they're going to have to work a little bit harder to kind of get there. However, if you pose it in the language that they're already speaking, it's going to be a lot easier for them to go, oh, I can see how you're going to fit in. Yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Um, because it, 
any creative agency is totally, totally, totally different in the way that they express themselves, in the way that they, their work boils down. So focus in, have a look, do some research, focus in your head on what's that best creative agency and then have a look at their competitors, have a look at how they, how they do, and then you'll be able to pick some kind of guidelines for yourself to work by and script it within your own voice. Yeah, perfect. Um, so next one is, this is so inspiring. Thank you, Becky. Found myself nodding along the whole time. What aspirations or goals would you like to achieve for the remainder of your career? Oh, what a question. Um, okay, so for my career, I would, you know, I'd love to work with some more brands, uh, really, because I work with brands, I work with architects, work with designers, or communicating that voice. But um, I definitely think I'd like to work with bigger brands or you know even small brands but on big projects if you know what I mean so projects that really have a kind of clout behind them um and, you know even like the Cura project that that really kind of talk to people and make them understand a particular kind of solution or communicative tool or something so I think that's where I would like to go um but on the side you know I do illustrate quite a lot so I probably well I'll tell you actually I'm learning cinema 4d at the moment so I'm going to try <laughs> for my own career goal I'm going to try and become a little cinema 4d kind of illustrative master but that that will that will happen it's it's happening <laughs> oh wow cinema 4d hey oh yes <laughs> well you know how that came about it's you know when doing storyboards and stuff <clears throat> I was working with the our 3d team who are incredible insanely good and I was kind of doing silly little sketches here and there and and you know it kind of dawned on me I was like but Becky you can you can articulate and again it's about articulating that voice I keep saying it but it's true I can articulate something a bit better if I talk in their language and their language is 3D so even if it's super super basic 3D I'll be able to do it so that's the reason that I came on to learning cinema yeah, awesome. How are you doing for time, Bex? I'm all right. I'm fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, tips for starting a career in art direction slash becoming a creative later in life, coming from a different career. Okay. So, so art direction. What a tricky but lovely subject. So, art direction. You could be an art director within photography. You could be an art director within fashion. You could be an art director within um, 3D. So, again, we distill it down and have a look at what really takes your pick. If you're coming from a totally different career, personally, I don't think that matters. What I think that you need to do is be an expert in where you are going. So don't look where you come from, look where you're going. <laughs> and if you can, again, find an art director that you think, oh gosh, you know, I just absolutely admire that work. Why are you admiring that work? Is it because it all looks very similar? Because, you know, there's a difference between art directors. Some art directors are, you know, they have totally different styles. One project can look like something else. One project can look like something else. And they're very, very versatile. And then you'll have a different type of art director that only does visually that one type of niche and that is why they get hired yeah. so again same advice i would go back i would have a look at, at different art directors and find out the niche that you want to go into and then i would start researching scripting 
looking, photographing, whatever that niche is, start doing it because that's how you're going to, um, that's how you're going to really be able to get to become a, a great at it is if you totally immerse yourself in it when you wake up you do that when you go to sleep you do that because there's you know there's loads and loads of arms of art direction that you can go down um the art if you're looking at the art direction that i did <clears throat> it was very very versatile because it was art direction across all of our clients so it was looking at you know one film might have been 3d and another film might have been live action so for me, art direction was about looking at that client and scripting a look and feel that would best target that particular audience that they were looking at, not in not that's in my niche. Uh, but because I have studied and have a breadth of, of kind of squint opera, let's say, in the clients that we work with, I'm able to go, right, okay, I think that style would really suit that, or that style would really suit that, or this person needs to come in to, to look at that style. Yeah. Definitely. It is so broad art direction. It really is. And I think that's the key thing you said there, Bex, about it's not about where you've been, it's where you're going. Yes. Whenever I do CV and portfolio um, like consultations with people, I'm like, well, where do you want to go? Because depending yeah. on that is how we're going to be presenting you, really, going forward to future employers. Um, it's always about what you want, not what anybody else wants or not what you've been told that you probably should do. If you, I, I firmly, firmly, firmly believe it. If you have a goal in mind that you want to go and reach, immerse yourself and move everybody else out of the way until you reach that goal. Yeah, really good advice. Um, so how do you approach storytelling in VR, AR, MR experiences? Oh, hello, hello. Right, so <clears throat> I, I'm really, really interested in VR and AR at the moment. But storytelling, I think, is, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a bit different because it's not linear. It's, it's nothing to do with being linear. So you have to approach, I mean, we've done a couple, we've done a couple, I've done a couple of pictures on it um, as well. So I think approaching storytelling, again, you've got to put yourself firstly so well not yourself but actually yourself uh strip back and think right okay who is going to pick up this vr who or who is going to put it on or who is going to be downloading the app that's looking at that ar is it going to be a three-year-old child is it educational is it um is it should be totally immersive should it be dramatic and then put your put a crown on so you think, right, okay, I'm, I'm this person. What do I want to see? Do I want to be shocked? Do I not? So we take that. So you, then you've got your kind of, not a narrative, but what you do have is what you want to feel and the emotional journey that you want to feel on that, whatever you're seeing. And then I would go back and see what the company is, what they want, uh, you know, what they're trying to communicate. Um, you know, it's a, it's a little bit hard because obviously, it, you know, it, it depends with who that client is. But look at what they're trying to communicate and put those two things together. So you've got the emotional journey and you've got the narrative journey. Ideally, if you put those two together, that should really transport you into into that kind of story, into that mode of amazingness. Um, and hopefully, the storytelling and the narrative will kind of come through that process. But, oh, actually, I do have something else for you. Um, ideation around storytelling is um, something that I learned at uni from my 
amazing, amazing, amazing uh, tutor who was called Darren Raven. And he always used to say to me, Becky, just take yourself out of it. And I'd be like, right, okay, what, you know, what do I do? Da, da, da. So if you, have, <clears throat> if you have an idea, but it's not moving forward at all, like you just think, right, I'm at a brick wall, I don't know what to do. Can't get a narrative, can't get a story, can't get anything. Um, the way to, the kind of way to ideate or the way to kind of take yourself out is, okay, right, I've got this, but what's the opposite? Okay, I've got this. What happens if you repeat it, repeat it, repeat it? Okay, I've got this, but what happens if it's smaller? What happens if it's bigger? And then once you do this repetitively, your brain starts obviously going mental. There's things that will never be used. But if you do that for an hour and just bring in materiality, like opposites and, and repeats and uh, what happens if you reflect something and start sketching it out, there might be that little bit of something in there. There's going to be that nugget. That's your idea. Mm. But sometimes that's very, very good for ideation. Yeah. And that's really, really good advice. I interviewed um, Ben from the neighborhood uh, a week ago and everyone kept asking him really technical questions, but Ben just kept saying, it's the story. The story yeah. comes first. And then once you've worked that out, you look into your technical mediums of how we're going to tell this story. Whereas people that just keep coming at it from a tech first, it seems to be missing a trick. It's about the idea and the story and then how's best to tell it. Um, exactly. Yeah, I know. I think that, I think that's, that's exactly right. Um, and it, I think you should come away from even looking at, if you're being creative director, you're trying to come up with narrative or story, come away from Pinterest, come away from any visuals. And actually, I was a culprit of this when I was younger. Um, when I was trying to come up with, with anything, I'd look, first thing I'd do is go on Pinterest and be like, blah, 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 blah. no, it doesn't work. Absolutely doesn't work because it all needs to start with what's up here and then what you write down in that story. And it was um, Ollie one of the ECDs actually that said that to me. You just went, you're banned from your computer, go away sit with a thesaurus in and come up with a story goodbye <laughs> type thing yeah, and honestly, yeah and honestly that's like I, I i don't know how i ever started with with visuals beforehand or thinking about what medium it needed to be on beforehand because it doesn't it doesn't work you don't get the best doing it the best way and and that building block that i showed you before starting with that foundation starting with the target audience all that should be off screen you know all of that should be thinking talking uh, all of those things that come out of that the successes that should come out of that should be chats with you and the client or you know you doing research about what is there and then writing it down and then you can come out with the story and then you can apply it to whatever medium you want be that branding be that you know an immersive experience and um the the brentford oh actually well, no i didn't show that one um uh, there's a project that I, I worked on actually for the Brentford project and um, Brentford is a town in West London or sorry a borough in West London um, and they're having a total regeneration like it was just a total kind of overhaul and uh, you know the company was very much struggling to get the the people that already lived in Brentford on board and and understanding the you know why they're doing it and 
And we had to say, right, okay, come away from all of the marketing and all of the visuals because that's not going to work. And what we did was we solidified the fact that actually we need to get out and talk to the community and find the hidden gems of Brentford because the best way to describe something is by the people, you know, in this instance was by the people that are already there because the trust mm -hmm. is there. But if we'd have just gone in with, oh, pure visuals, we'll just do this, we'll just whack that on there, da, 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 it wouldn't have been successful yeah definitely um so i think i'm gonna let you go becky because i know you're busy but there are a few more questions but um we've had some lovely lovely comments all throughout all of this by the way so um time for one more if you're if if there's yeah, one yeah, more? but also i just want to let everyone know that's tuned in these videos are recorded and they are uploaded on youtube um about two weeks later okay so um feel free to give us a follow on Instagram and then I'll have a post there when it all goes live. So, oh, last question. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so this is an interesting one. So we're used to hearing that CDs don't have time to answer emails, calls about employment or chat. Is this true? Are CDs happier to hear from potential employees are, or are you just too busy? Oh, not, um... Well, I, I can't speak on behalf of all of the CDs out there. I can only speak on behalf of myself. Um, but I don't, I, you know, I, I welcome um, kind of DMs and LinkedIn's and all of that because I, I just think it adds to my knowledge as well. I think it's really, really good to grow, to grow a community. And, you know, if you don't get a response from a CD, potentially that they, they are very busy, but, but, you know, maybe also copying the, um, the HR or the, uh, people, the person that deals with people and just copy them in underneath. Um, you know, and if you don't hear anything, there's no harm in following up two weeks later or a week later, you know, again, all of the people that work in this industry are only human so like i said sometimes you know they might be people make make mistakes they might air that you know they might be um and very busy but i i definitely think it's worth putting your work out there i think why not start your conversation and if and if it, if nothing comes from that then just follow up again don't be too too on the on the thing though uh but you know and then if that doesn't work try somebody else that's within that agency yeah, I think going back to what like other like industry leaders have said, like Mark and other Becky, etc., has been if you do reach out, make sure you've got really good work or content to show. Because if you reach out and say, "Hey, Becky, I'd just like to know if you might be maybe hiring," but then they're not sending you anything to get you excited about the person. I'm I could be wrong here, but I would imagine that might be. It depends what it's for, though, doesn't it? If you're yeah. if you're reaching out to um to make to a CD to maybe do a talk or to make you know maybe talk at uni or uh you know to talk to a different agency or something, I think you know why not do it? If you're specifically reaching out for a job and it's like a job that's advertised, it's there, it's you're wanting it, blah, blah, blah. as Nikki said, get everything super ready. So it's got your contact details, it's got a few projects on, it's got everything that you think this best tells me. And then you can press the send button. If you don't have that, I'd wait, get all of that together first. Yeah, really good advice. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks again, Becky. I do appreciate your time and, and your energy as well.
I knew you'd be a great way to start off a Monday morning. Like, as I said, everyone's commenting on that. So, um, yeah, thank you, everyone that tuned in and joined us. And, um, yeah, take care. Thank you, thank you so uh, much. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>